0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Narrative Live. It's a surprise broadcast from us today because we weren't really <laughs> expecting to do this, but now here we are. Hey, Eric, how are you?
1: Hey, Zev. Good to be back.
0: We can't ignore the protests that are going on across across the country. We can't ignore what's been going on in response to the death of George Floyd. And we've got a lot of information tonight about some of the buildup that could be happening militaristically by uh, the government um, in order to respond to these protests. Let's begin the show by going to New York City where we're joined by our correspondent Daniel Montelengo, who many of you know from our past broadcast. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good.
2: Um, I am in my third day of joining these protests out in uh, New York City um, and uh, the energy is galvanizing. Can you hear me?
0: I can. I can hear you over there. Okay, great. Is there any concern amongst any of the people there about these extremist groups that are coming out uh, so late at night and, and turning as a great peaceful protest during the day? It's a very negative experience for people overnight.
2: Um, so yeah, so the the, the protests have become um, uh, a little bit more violent once the sun goes down. But um, from my experience with this being my third one, um, it's it's been very peaceful. Um, there's ever there's chance of peaceful protest. Um, sometimes the organizers like stop the march. Have people kneel down, and they say, like, if you see someone doing something, call them out, call them out, and then they have the crowd chant, call them out. So it's been, it's been very well organized. It's been very peaceful. Um, there is a, a huge NYPD presence everywhere, um, but I think the uh, uh, the looting and the stuff that you've seen on the other uh, on the other news networks uh, have been very isolated incidents. And it's and it's a shame because it's it's a very small group of people making the, these entire protests with thousands and thousands of people. Uh, I, I'm looking down Broadway right now, and I, it's just people as far as the eye can see. And if I look back the other way, it's the same story. Uh, and it's and it's 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 a shame that that's getting a lot of coverage when these peaceful protests are massive and and, and moving a lot of people.
0: As as you've been speaking there, we've been running some video from what happened in D.C. last night when peaceful protests were ambushed. Um, And and that certainly is a a sad sight to see when you've got these peaceful protesters uh, hit by tear gas and rubber bullets. Uh, That seemed to be the case. Uh, Wow, look at that picture. Certainly recognize uh, that part of New York City. Uh, A lot of people showing up today uh, to protest the police action there. Eric, do you have any questions for Daniel?
1: Uh, just general if the moods uh, if the mood's uh, generally calm, and uh, what other people are saying that their reasons are for being on the street physically, you know, especially when we have a pandemic going on.
2: So I joined today's march at uh, crisper Street Park, uh, Sheridan Square Park. Um, so there was just there was a bit of a, of an overlap with uh, Black trans lives and Black Lives uh, Matter movement. Um, and then also the uh, the entire LGBTQ community uh, coming together to support Black Lives Matter because it is Pride Month. Um, so those seem to be the uh, the reasons, the various reasons, the various transgender reasons that people are out here today. Um, and at Unis, we uh, we merged actually about 15 minutes ago uh, with two other large protests in Union Square. And um, it was a peaceful merger. Uh, went smoothly. Uh, there were a couple of uh, people there agitating, but they were called out. Um, that that uh, uh, people were, were on top of, and then uh, you know, like and were, was able to like shut it down really quickly. Uh, people knocking over trash cans and whatnot. Um, but there's there's people. There, this is this has been a very uh, peaceful protest. Um, there are people aligning the avenues up with. Um, They're giving away water. They're giving away hand sanitizer. If there's somebody without a mask, they're giving out masks. Um, So, and if you look around, if if I flip the camera, it's almost impossible to find somebody without a mask out here. Um, I would say about ninety-nine point nine percent of everybody has a mask.
0: Although that's hardly social distancing. It doesn't look like social distancing.
2: Hardly social distancing. But um, people are are you know doing at least that protective measure too. Uh, to wear
0: a mask. There's a lot. The the crowd just feels feels very multiracial. It seems like it's a pretty uh, covers all of of New York's population out there.
2: It it is. This crowd is very much a representative of um, of New York City. It is everybody of all races, of all backgrounds, of all socioeconomic Ooh. backgrounds. There's it's only one way to describe it. It's it's very New York.
0: Uh, keep us informed. I know you've got a bunch of things to do this evening, but if anything happens, let us know and we'd like to, to keep catching up with you.
2: Yes, definitely. Thank you for having me on and um, stay safe, you guys.
0: You too, Daniel. Thanks so much. So far so good in New York City, Eric, but it's it's not curfew yet. Uh, curfew's in about 50 minutes there. And last night we saw some pretty incredible scenes of, uh, of looting and violence all the way up and down Manhattan. So, there's some fear that some of that will replicate itself tonight. I know you've been doing a lot of phoning around to your contacts. Have you been hearing uh, any information about what might be happening tonight?
1: Well, it looks like there are some elements who may be intending uh, something other than the peaceful protest. Um, who on the ground have uh, you know been overheard speaking about this? I uh, was looking for more confirmation on that.
0: You, this is a photo you sent. You put out earlier of. I don't know where this photo was taken, but it looks like a, a hodgepodge of a of a security crew over there.
1: That is looking south on 16th Street, uh, the corner, I believe, of 16th and K, uh, looking at the White House, uh, just, which is just one block beyond it. And you hit uh, Lafayette Park and then the White House itself. Uh, what's so interesting to me about this, this photo, and there are others popping up tonight um, you know, from D.C. where there are people in paramilitary looking garb and none of it matches. And here you've got a combination of military police, park police, uh, no name police. Uh, the, The helmets are a bit different. It kind of looks like everyone's got their paintball gear on. They're not uniforms. That's the whole thing about having a uniform is it projects authority because you belong to an institution right. that has the legal right potentially to unleash violence in the name of the state which sounds you know terrifying but all of our laws at the end of the day are backed up by some form of of violence, um, even if it's jaywalking, you know, we give somebody the legal right to grab you, put you in the back of a police car, and take you down, uh, and you get a hundred-dollar ticket or whatever—the most minor infraction on up to the death penalty. Uh, you've you've given an authority, an institution, the right to conduct you know kinetic physical violence uh, against a citizen. Anyone else does it, it's called assault, you right. know, or attempted murder. Um, you know but for somebody in the state to do it it's because they're backed up by the rule of law and one of the reasons that you have uniforms and training and all that is so that in the day-to-day operation of a civilization um you know you, the people that are grabbing someone putting them in a car or, or pushing them or, or whatever they're doing to enforce the law is because of the law yes. and that's why we have uh, federal and state felonies on the books um, for which you can be prosecuted if you are personating a, a one of these authorities, um, police, uh, some healthcare workers. Uh, you know anybody who has an official right to do things. Uh, you know on an emergency basis. Uh, if you are pretending and you're you're lying to the public, then that's a crime. And we have a bunch of people here in the photos that we're seeing, uh, and apparently tonight uh, in in DC. All I saw was one journalist, I believe from Mother Jones, saying uh, that they tried to ask one of the the men on the street who are each and from the photo I saw, mm-hmm. one's wearing an Under Armour bit of uh, you know of, of athletic wear, it was very comfy but not standard issue, and the other guys aren't, and they're wearing different shoes again. And they tried to get ID, and somebody says, "I'm from the Justice Department." Well, that's a big organization, and uh, there's the U. Uh, you know, there are enforcement bodies underneath it but that's a little too general there so my question is who is on the streets of dc uh who who, who's in charge over there
0: well let me try answer that let me see if uh, there's some reporting now from uh various sources but it's this mostly come from abc's a very good reporting tonight about a bunch of moves taken by bill barr the attorney general who as far as i know is not in charge of any sort of command structure that could enforce this kind of laws but apparently he has some control over some things this is according to abc earlier on today Barr dispatched the fbi's elite hostage rescue team and i'm sure none of these guys you're talking about were part of any elite team but um, this is uh, the hrt i guess is what it's called and they were sent to assist dc police to maximize federal law enforcement presence in dc this was sunday night into monday then on sunday we know there was um Reports that white nationalist groups were posing as Antifa on Twitter, um, the calling for violence, and then on Monday again, Barr directed the Bureau of Prisons, where he is the director of. It seems like Bill Barr has taken it upon himself to to act as a bit of a control element for what he believes is is coming. Um, what's your sense of what he means uh, by sending all these these teams out? Like, I mean, this is not a normal procedure. It seems like.
1: Uh, It's not. I mean, the the, the attorney general is in charge of prosecutions that are handled by, you know, he can send out teams of lawyers, and there is enforcement through the U.S. Marshals of judicial procedure, and anything that is law enforcement at the federal level comes under the executive branch, of which the attorney general is a cabinet-level position, but, you know, he doesn't have paratroopers he can call out. So this kind of looks to me as like, you know, sort of everyone he had some reasonable chance of getting on short notice but even then, you know, I would think of the uh, the FBI elite hostage rescue team uh, would you know? Could afford new shiny boots. Where I've been talking to, to sources all over today, uh, just trying to get a sense on the ground of what what actions are really being taken. Uh, you know, down to you know, do you see any other vehicles out that you normally don't see? Uh, what's the airspace like? And um, you know, mostly it's looking like DC and and New York City are the major uh, the, the major locales tonight where there's going to be you know protests and potentially a, a response to that. Um, we know from some of the reports in Minneapolis and the speed with which um, the FBI and others responded to what appear to be uh, members of transnational organized crime uh, who are are not from Minneapolis and are there for reasons other than expressing their local um, you know, right, you know, they're not just helpful for Trump, who would love a distraction from 20 plus percent unemployment, over 100,000 dead from COVID and more to come, unfortunately. Um, you know, his campaign trickster gonna go into prison in 28 days, his former national security advisor has another 10 days with the help of William Barr. To come up with some excuse for why him pleading guilty shouldn't count, and uh, it's not looking good. It's a, a, you know, a few people with weak arguments versus the Watergate prosecutor. So Trump yeah. could definitely use a distraction, and but so he might the- be.
0: He might be. And let's let's take a look at what Barr actually told governors on that call yesterday. Um, he said, instigators looking for secondary targets in cities where they can go and overwhelm the police forces. He said he had information about this. That's why it's so imperative we can't play whack-a-mole with these people. Barr said, he went on to say, we had to take out the professional instigators and the leadership group and the way to do that is to start with a strong statement in the main cities so he definitely seems to be pointing uh, at least his efforts in what he believes is some sort of big is it an attack is it a terrorist attack i don't know what it's just how you describe it against these major cities that he says uh, he has to thwart with all this uh, heightened uh, presence
1: i mean normally you get very clear Direction from your political leadership Mm -hmm. when something extraordinarily, uh, something extraordinary like, uh, you know, deploying extra forces on the ground, especially paramilitary here Mm -hmm. in the United States. Usually, if something like that has to be done, you have some real. Uh, you know clear language and this is not clear language i was in washington dc for september the 11th 2001 living in northwest dc just around the corner from the embassy of israel um those guys know how to do security when things go sideways and uh you know it was even then the city was you know very navigable and you're talking about you know at our worst moment um there were there were barriers put up in different places there was certainly nothing like uh you know protesting at, at that time, uh, quite to the contrary. Uh, yeah, it's, it, very, seems, very-
0: it seems really unusual that, that Barr seems to be the only one with information about these instigators that may be showing up. Now, they may show up, but he'd still be the only one with all this information. We, we have not heard from any other sources that there's um, these planned instigations. We've heard that there are have been extremists that have been caught up to now involved in some of the looting, but none that was forward looking. No, no indication there was forward looking threats going happening. But it seems that Barr well, seems to have some.
1: Well, it seems that. But I'm going to just speak as uh, you know, just an American citizen here, more than an analyst. Hey, could you cut us in on the secret? What's going on? <laughs> like, what are they vampires? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, troll giants. I mean, wh- what are we dealing with here, guys? Uh, well, you know.
0: The answer is you're dealing with Antifa, which is of course, who knows what Antifa is? It's this broad overarching sort of group. So, uh, you know, earlier so in the you, week, earlier you in the got,
1: week you've bar. Okay. You've got Antifa up there uh, with the, the, the uh, it was the Europa group that was founded by uh, some young, you know, uh, retired Marine who was at the Charlottesville um, fake Nazi tiki torch Rally uh, near the Trump golf course there and they're now they're posing as antifa at the same yes. time, which would really you know we've talked a lot about horseshoe theory in uh, Russian pol- political military science of setting up you know you, setting up two sides to fight. And you mm-hmm. might as well control both of them so it's very ironic that we actually get some digital forensics around that the you know the the faux nazis and the faux anti-nazis are really the same people and it is so- it is really
0: remarkable And you know so twitter today suspended hundreds of accounts supposedly from antifa supposedly inciting violence but they weren't they were actually right-wing extremists posing as antifa who also seem to have uh, quite a developed bot network uh to help amplify their antifa content and so it's interesting that you know all of this is happening with the only people until recently have been pointing a finger and at antifa have been barr and trump then we see the surge in violence uh, calls by antifa groups on sunday into monday now on tuesday we hear that twitter suspended all these accounts just a day after trump saying these are the terrorists you know the antifa and the radical left i mean it's looking a little bit conspicuous, you know. It doesn't look like it's a legitimate threat that's being faced by any left-wing uh, organizations here, but actually, just some sort of perhaps constructed threat.
1: Well, let's you know give a you know a strong comparison between uh, the Antifa movement and Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, we had you know I was in D.C. Uh, you know working in think tanks. We were talking about the, these bunch of of uh, you know barbarian terrorist types that were in Afghanistan that were that were terrorizing women that were firing missiles at you know thousand-year-old statues of the Buddha and you know this was on the threat matrix like these guys have got a failed state. They can clearly host whoever they want we didn't know exactly what was going on as to you know whether they could actually reach with a kinetic operation all the way to lower manhattan that had not been discussed uh, you know in non in unclassified circles but they were they were on the matrix of bad guys and you know okay well they're linked to yeah remember when you know we sort of funded those guys in the 70s when the soviets got in there well we kind of they're still there, and they're still bad guys. That all made sense, and and you know they weren't you know the excuse for anything until you know Al Qaeda, and that story has not been told all the way either. But until those planes hit the towers and the Pentagon, and then they trace this back to oh wait a minute, this is Osama bin Laden, this is Al Qaeda, these are these Wahhabists from Saudi Arabia, and others. You know here's who this is. These are the bad guys. This is where they live, and and you know they had intelligence ready to go, and you all had a clear act. Uh, it wasn't si- you know it wasn't simultaneous of you know a you know a, a, an officer involved um, homicide followed by some you know some protests. and all of a sudden this well we're, we we kind of have some bad guys around here. No, mm-hmm. we had a very clear negative event. You know a, you know a, a, a terrorist uh, attack. And then here's who did it. And here's what we need to do. Um, and here we don't have that. We have this, this boogeyman we haven't really seen, except maybe in the early days of the, the Trump inauguration. If you remember, mm-hmm. uh, there, there, were some dudes in black, you know, sweatshirts rolling around and, uh, near the, um, you know, near the inauguration, then we didn't hear them from them for a while. It's, right. it's almost like this is an emergency in want of a villain. If you don't want to talk about the COVID deaths or the 20% unemployment, uh, maybe you also might not want to talk about uh, your, you know, your campaign staff going to prison and flipping on you or about the head of state who's also facing prison, who maybe has something to say about you too.
0: Right. Uh, so you know, there's. We'll get to the strategy around why they might be interested in a, in some of these events taking place in order to distract from what are terrible uh, opinion polls right now in the elections. But I just want to finish taking a look at some of the stuff that Barr has done today. So you know, he was also the guy responsible yesterday for clearing the the Lafayette Park with tear gas and rubber bullets of uh, of protesters and uh, journalists in order for Donald Trump to make that bizarre Bible brandishing photo opportunity that he did in front of the church, and he was also the guy responsible, this is Barr, who had them uh, install a seven-foot metal fence, I should say, around Lafayette Square, which is now not accessible today, and this is the one that struck me as being most unusual. Apparently, the D.C. mayor is saying that federal officials, including at the White House, must be Barr, inquired about taking over the D.C. police. Now, that seems remarkable to me. It just seems astonishing that that's even a, a something that would even dare to ask into these well, circumstances.
1: I'm going I'm to give the maximum amount of, of latitude to this particular action. Yeah. Uh, in the history <laughs> of, of Washington, D.C., uh, you know, uh, my home and uh, where i lived for 12 years uh, yeah. i got to know people who were multi-generation natives of there and home rule where dc got its its first mayor walter washington uh i believe in the 60s you know uh, tearing it away from the control of congress which had a lot of people from the south in it who you know were opposed to spending any money for the the black residents uh you know it was all it was a big deal to to have home rule but there is a history of the federal government through the congress i believe running DC, but being the attorney general, uh, hired uniquely to run around and, uh, you know, I call him the sidewinder missile goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harder than being a regular soccer or hockey goalie, uh, cause what's coming at him is much nastier, but he is clearly diving for, for every catastrophe of the last 30 to 40 years in American politics and counterintelligence, and just trying to shut everything down. And, you know, he, he, he's a busy guy. He's very, he seems
0: really busy. He seems way too busy for... Uh, you know, for what he's doing, and he's certainly got other important uh, priorities than doing what he's doing right now. Because I'm sure the DC police can take care of this. Now
1: he was trying to run the the Google and Facebook antitrust. He's he's knocking down anything that looks like counterintelligence, and 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 now he wants to take over the DC Metro Police. Ah, uh, you know, I hope he hires an assistant or something.
0: I mean, they are cutting the waste at the White House because it's just him and Jared taking care of absolutely everything. Like everything, um, this is you're looking at the pictures here of this incredible uh, amount of violence of the rubber bullets, the tear gas that uh, took away the protesters yesterday. Meanwhile, Donald Trump put out his own video of events yesterday. No pictures of uh, the of the rubber bullets or the tear gas, just him strolling over to the St James Church over there and brandishing the Bible uh as if nothing was happening in order to clear okay. that space <laughs> yeah. i mean it's just too much too much
1: okay Okay. I mean, okay. Okay. You have to understand the geography there too. That's across the street. All right. My, my office was, uh, was two blocks from there. You're talking about, you know, he's trying to look like Genghis Khan taking everything from, from Ulaanbaatar to, to Austria. And you know, that with that kind of swagger. No, he's walking across, oh, they put the, about across Lafayette park, which has the big, huge, metal screen on it or, or whatever you're talking about what have, have three quarters of a football field with a statue in the middle of it I mean, it's crazy. um so he walks he, he walks across the the um the thin side of that to to the church like you know uh i don't know he's 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 announcing the victory at marathon i don't know what he's doing here uh this is it's all propaganda that's it what is this propaganda. guy has left
0: yeah, and when you're talking about fake news, this is the fake news. I mean, here you go. This this is not taking into account what really happened to him, dispersing all these uh, protesters without any warning. Uh, you know, to great embarrassment, there was a, a crew from Channel 7 in Australia that was head-butted and, uh, uh, and punched out uh, as they were uh, you know told to move away, but there was absolutely no warning to them. We look like idiots around the world, you know, who can't handle democratic processes um, or, or democratic protests. And this is uh, him, you know, whitewashing the whole event, as him just literally walking across uh, without any disturbance at all. So it is propaganda. Worth calling out it
1: out. All right, I got to ask you a couple questions here, if you don't mind, if I flip this on you. You're welcome. Uh, You've you've been in the television business for a while, right, Seth? Mm,
0: I have been too too long, thirty years.
1: (laughs) Uh, So when you have a guest, uh, you know, who's on or a subject, but do you ever edit the film?
0: yes of course you, you edit the film but you're,
1: you you don't you cut out the stuff that looks really bad right and it, you leave in certain stuff to give a certain feel right
0: well you meant to not actually take out anything that you edit should not be stuff that's relevant to the audience of course you you follow the normal guidelines of any journalist's organization so you would if even you if it looks bad
1: oh yeah you're you'd not need, a, a propagandist you'd
0: need, you'd need that yeah. you need integrity you would and, and uh I don't know if uh, this qualifies as having integrity or even a, an, an ounce of truth to it, but there you go. Well, that's, this,
1: the, that's the president. This is how we got this guy is that, you know, the worst kept secret in, in all of filmed entertainment is that everybody involved with the apprentice knew that Trump was in debt. Some special people knew who he was in debt to, and that that wasn't pretty at all, and mm-hmm. we know now that that is uh, the, the Russians, the Bank of China, various organized crime, uh, and they tried to make him look like, you know, he was this captain of industry when the only thing he was really good at was was bankruptcy that, frankly, other people ran for him uh, legally. He sucks at basically everything, so mm-hmm. all you can, but he is good, sorry, I take that back, That is that it's sh- selling the man short. He's good for short bursts of propaganda and doing just enough that people can edit him into looking like well whatever we've got now that i guess under the biggest uh psyop in the history of um psychological warfare made him look attractive enough to lose the popular vote by three million and win in three swing states and boom he's president but this is all like the rest of this whole mess is that there are you know the, the the reality of the world, the the great masses of facts, uh, you know all the events that are taking place, and then you have a tiny slice that is taken and cut into a narrative and put out there, and that's how we ended up with this guy as president of the United States with uh, you know, with not great results. So this is the last. It seems like it's their only playbook, and here you are. You're taking. You know, we we were we. we we're talking with people on the street in New York, and it's just a bunch of people walking. Yeah, they should be six feet apart, uh, but it's not a whole lot more exciting than that. Now you get a you know a few ten to twenty second intervals of somebody hitting somebody with a plastic shield or whatnot, and you know then that then all of a sudden you can create this fearsome narrative. But again, the the it's propaganda. The mass of events happening in the United States.
0: Now, you know, what worries you know, me like, is is everything you're saying is absolutely right, and he. He doesn't look very good going into the elections this year in November. And this is the only reason I'm concerned, because in the past, sometimes his threats have sort of, I just felt so idle, they haven't felt real. This time I'm a little concerned about his threats, because he's got a few months to head into these uh, elections, and he doesn't really have a, anything to run on. The pandemic was a disaster, the, election, the economy is a disaster, um, the handling of this is even a disaster up until now. So he's beginning to tell this idea of he's the law and order candidate. And in order for him to be the law and order candidate, he sort of has to appear to be doing law and order. And all these movements of bars, you know, prison riot guards and all these other people are beginning to make me think that maybe they're up to something. Maybe they're they would like to do some sort of you know, not quite martial law, but some sort of crackdown where they can appear to be strong and mighty to the middle class of America who doesn't really want to see people vandalizing Chanel on Fifth Avenue every night. Um, you know, that, it seems like there's at least room for that argument in this particular space. I mean, hopefully that they wouldn't do it, but they seem to be building up to something that uh, is more than just um, your typical sort of management of, of protests.
1: Um, I agree. I mean, this, you know, this seems like, you know, a mediop uh, Mm -hmm. only using, uh, you know, law enforcement and uh, now military as props um and i gotta say they have a heck of a job ahead of them i mean making donald trump a you know a mob asset uh the law and order candidate i mean you might as well try and make him look like the good boyfriend candidate i mean it's just as easy but uh so hats off to the guys you know good luck this year i guess yeah but they're they're this is all they got left Mm. i mean all the traditional things that you run on in the united states uh are you i mean frankly one of the most effective campaign ads in American political history it was Ronald Reagan, who came in on the malaise of the late '70s under Carter and starts up in '81. And uh, in, you know, for the 1984 campaign, he just asked America: Are you better off than you were four years ago? And everybody felt better. Oh, not everybody, pardon—that's a great generalization. But you know, large parts of our economy had come back. Financial sector was roaring. Um, the inflation of the seventies, uh, was looking in the rear view mirror. Uh, you know, we had, st- you know, we weren't in detente with the Soviet union. We were taking it to them, at least on, on camera. Um, and so everyone looked at that and said, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's better than, than, than the late seventies, I guess. And, you know, it was a heck of a, you know, an effective ad and, you know, in any year, then you're talking about some things that are hopefully tangible as the, uh, the Clinton people said, uh, um, James Carville, I believe in this case, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about, you know, uh, has there been a recession? Say, hey, you know, uh, you know, you want out of this recession. If you were out of the recession, say, hey, we're out of a recession. Um, you know, George W. Bush was in office. I remember the year 2000 election was a lot more inchoate, uh, you know, what, you you know, are you democrat or republican i guess that'll guide whether you like one of these two candidates but the 2004 election is like we had a bunch of guys murder people in lower manhattan who wants the more you know the the, the tougher guy who's going to kill more of the bad guys i mm-hmm. mean at the end of the day and so bush despite you know many failings you know that were perceived at the time uh certainly in the media you know he he was elected pretty strongly in in 2004 what the hell has Donald Trump got to run on it's like hi I was pushed in here by an intelligence operation by multiple hostile nations uh you know there's a hundred thousand people dead you don't know if your kids are going back to school in the fall you can't even go to the freaking pool this summer and uh but hey, here's some black guys broke some things, so we're gonna dispatch uh, Apache helicopters. I can't really get those. Here's some guys I I, I picked up, uh, <laughs> you know, off of Craigslist, and we gave them some paintball equipment. And the market. Yeah,
0: I mean that's the only thing they could go to. It's a terrible play. I'm not saying it's any you know any politician would hate to be in this position, but it does make me think that you know, folks should be a little careful out there. Anything could happen. But of course even this play is so obvious to everybody that whatever they're trying to do would be so easily identifiable at this point. If we could sit here and talk about it, I'm sure um, other people have thought about it too. And so, so you know, what do we, you know, what kind of play can they really execute?
1: For, for those people who are worried, and I talked to a bunch of them this morning, just mm-hmm. in my friend group, uh, who are worried about, you know, is this martial law, you know, if you really know about authoritarianism and you know police states then you know what happens to people who speak out uh you know what really happens when when a leader wants to crack down and has real control of the military and bottom line it doesn't look like this no it doesn't uh you're not trying you're not trying to get your crony out of trouble before he goes back to his a guilty plea. No, the judge slips and dies, like falls out a window. Yeah. You know, that's what happens in, 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 in dictatorships is that, you know, there's a riot. Yeah. Well, you, you bury 500 of those guys in a mass grave and anybody in Russia and China for all their propaganda, um, garbage about trying to make America morally and functionally equivalent to their regimes. I mean, these are regimes that have killed tens of millions of their own citizens. And when they are in authoritarian mode, uh, and, and they dig a mass grave. And that has, even with all the obscenities that, uh, that this administration has committed, and you look at everything from Puerto Rico, those people that didn't need to die and the insults to them and the grifting off that drawn up to people, you know, burying their relatives who died alone in a room on a ventilator now that didn't have to. I mean, look, these are bad people who have seized control uh, using our free, uh, you know, our free elections and our free speech. Um, But they are not the dictators that they want to be. They wish they could, that would get them out of trouble. But I, I see a bunch of out of control grifters who are sweating really hard. And really trying yeah. desperately to make it look like maybe they're Moboto Sissi Siko, maybe Idi Amin Dada, maybe possibly aren't you scared? But they're, I don't see them doing those things.
0: They are coming across as sort of dictators of the African variety, which are not very convincing at the end of the day. I mean, yes, they're brutal, but they are disorganized. And the minute you take a look at them, you can sort of see what they're up to. Uh, you know, in a, in a society as sophisticated as the United States is, with the amount of social media and uh, and smart people wandering around with. Uh, access to all sorts of information and, and uh, a free government, ultimately, that can provide that information. Boy, you can, it's really hard to do this against uh, a free society, even though they're valiantly trying to run all these operations. It doesn't seem to be working uh, in the, to their favor at this point. So everyone's comparing him to Nixon. Everyone's saying it's Trump is Nixon in 1968. Um, maybe this was Nixon uh, running for the presidency. He was not an incumbent. He was just a candidate. He won. And he ran on law and order, but this is different because, you know, Trump is the incumbent and it's under his watch that law and order has broken down and the rule of law has been destroyed. So, you know, maybe he's Nixon for many other reasons. Maybe he's Nixon because he's, uh, you know, how he's influenced and the parties, uh, external parties that have helped him get to power. But other than that, the law and order analogy for 1968, I think, runs a little, a little dry
1: you know i think when you look at the the pivot to the southern strategy where where you had a u.s political party that that pivoted hard into some racial provocation that was some of it homegrown and and some of it uh, exploited by bad actors on the ground some of them foreign some of them uh organized crime Uh, You know, yeah, okay. there's a there's a comparison there. But, um, you know, Richard Nixon was a naval officer, a veteran, uh, you know, an effective politician uh, who was, you know, a crook, but professional. Uh, And uh, that's not Trump. Trump, Trump ended up here by accident. Um, They're running those playbooks. I think it's pretty clear that they, uh, they they know what's worked in the past, but you know then that's what happens when you work with Paul Manafort and Roger Stone who come from the Nixon era. Well this works so do that and you know just you know get a riot going and uh, boy it'll make Americans scared. But remember in 1968 you had just, had you know 10 to 20 years of the mass produced automobile being widely available and then you have uh, you know you're not that many years away from sundown towns and redlining of mm. mortgages where people are afraid of the inner cities and there is racial tension and there you know the civil rights uh, movement which is which is bearing fruit in 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 real legislation that's changing the way America works. I mean, you know, th- these were pivotal years. Um, and, you know, I talked to um, friends of mine, the baby boom generation who who remember that and living through, the, through those days. And for all the okay boomer uh, divisions that they're trying to put up, like, you know, these are people that have lived through some real uncertainty, right? And, uh, you know, these were moments where our leaders were being gunned down, uh, you know, in in daylight, in front of us, and. You know these these major changes in America were all new. We're trying to give the echo of those uh, those shudders, those those spasms in this country. They're the echo, and they're what people would remember. Remember what that felt like. This is kind of like that, except it's kind of not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you know this is not Watts and Detroit and all these other places. You, you know we have not killed. There is there is no equivalent to Martin Luther King Jr. and you know, he has not been murdered this year. Yeah. Uh, and, you, you know, we haven't just created the suburbs 15 years ago. It's not
0: a, its not something that's really going to work as much as they're trying. And if it does, in fact, looks like it might be backfiring because people are turning up in their thousands across the country. So if they had anything to do with sparking this, which maybe they did, who knows, they certainly uh, uh, did not expect this many people out. Um, I mean, the entire country seems to be galvanized by mostly peaceful protests, mostly White people protesting, or mostly, but certainly a large number of white people protesting against uh, the government and against Trump, particularly, and for civil rights. That's a very different picture than they would have imagined. Uh, I imagine they would have been trying to create if they sparked any of this.
1: But look at how hard they have to work to turn this into a violent conflict. You've yeah. got to bring people out who are policing when you see that um, those, those shields and the, the technique that they're using. That is not standard uh operation uh you know that for police that is not how they're trained and that's not how good uh police and to to hear people tell it not not how the dc metro police are trained how to do crowd control it is how you incite Mm -hmm. cry crowds though and you know like i like i said you know with with ferguson you know you're taking a tiny slice where you are waiting for something to happen and Mm -hmm. then you point the camera at that yeah but the rest of it doesn't look like that. There's There are people making a real effort to make America look like it's on the verge of collapse and of uh, violent uh, movements here, but they're having to expend a lot of energy to do that. And I think back in 68, they didn't have to try nearly as hard. I think it was really there.
0: Right. I thank you very much, uh, Eric. Thanks for being on the show again. What an interesting hour, as always. Uh, learned a lot from you, and uh, looks like Daniel's good in the street, so that's uh, nothing happened in New York City. The curfew is just 10 minutes away in New York City. We'll see what happens. On Friday, Lincoln's Bible is back. Uh, we've got a really interesting show all about Bill Barr, uh, in, in the weeds with Bill Barr, if you will, uh, about everything from Opus Dei to... Jeffrey Epstein. I do have some breaking news regarding Jeffrey Epstein, by the way. There was a settlement finally reached. Settlement might be the stronger word for it. An agreement reached between the trust in uh, the Virgin Isles, um, which has been managing the estate, and the victims. So there is some sort of agreement now to get the victims some of the money that the estate has, that used to be Jeffrey Epstein's and now the estate's money. It looks like the victims have finally got an agreement to get some of their money um, to compensate them for everything that they've been Through over the last, you know, sometimes 30 years. So, uh, some good news to end the show there uh, for tonight. And uh, we'll see everyone back here on Friday for another Narrative Live. Have a good night, Eric.
1: Thanks for having me. Cheers.
0: Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and download.